Hey, welcome to Central Christian Church Online. Uh, my name is Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here, and we are so fired up that you decided to join us. Uh, we are currently one church, meeting in many rooms all across the Bay and, and beyond. So if you're tuning in from another state, another country, uh, man, we're so glad that you've joined us. We would love to connect with you and, and just come alongside you and help you however we can in this season. If you're new to Central, and I know there's been several people that are, are just kind of new, jumping in, checking things out here at Central, and we're, we're glad you're here, but we want you to know up front, the whole reason that we exist is to help people find and follow Jesus. And uh, we also want you to know, kind of a corollary to that, we, we're imperfect people in progress. Like we're, we're not perfect, we're just trying to follow the one who is. And so uh, we, we, we're glad that you've tuned in. And so no matter where you are, no matter what your, your past may be or your present situation might look like, uh, welcome to Central. We're glad that you are with us. Well, hey, here's a couple things that are, are coming up. This week, we're, we're tying a bow on our current series. And then next week, we're going to be jumping into a, a brand new message series called Bucket List. And, uh, and, and if 2020's brought anything to the forefront of our minds, is the gravity of life. Uh, but don't worry, Bucket List isn't about dying. It's about how we can live, live life to the fullest. And here's what I know to be true. If you're not dead yet, you're not done yet. God's still got big plans, big purposes for your life. And so so throughout this series, we're going to tackle questions like, how, how do we live life right now without regrets? How do we live with perspective? How, how do we live fully awake? I, I don't want to go through life asleep. I want to be fully alive and fully engaged. How do we do that? And then how do we live life worthy of like this, this calling that God's placed on your life, on my life? And how, how do we fulfill those those purposes. So I'm super excited about, about that series. Going to be kicking off next week. Great, great series to invite a friend to. And then in November, uh, we're going to be hearing from some of our missionaries. You, you may not know this, but your, your financial donations support missionaries around the globe who are doing big things for the kingdom of God in the midst of crazy season of this global pandemic. And so we're excited for you to hear from some of them in November. And then obviously Christmas is coming. And so the team's been working on some Christmas plans for December. And so that's going to carry us through the end of 2020. Can you believe it? And, uh, and if 2020 has taught us anything, uh, man, it's that we're going to set our goals. We're going to set our, our vision, our, our purpose in pen. Like we can engrave that in stone. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. That's not going to change. Uh, but our plans, we're writing those in pencil. And so uh, that's where we're going with the sermon series coming up. Uh, but that is subject to change due to what's taking place in the world around us these days. But uh, let's dive in today. So this is the final week of our series. It's time. Like we've been talking about, is, is this the end? Like maybe you've been having some friends, some family members, maybe you've asked, like, do you think this is the end? Like, is, it, is the world coming to an end in 2020? And we've been just exploring what the Bible has to say about that, that question. And the Bible talks a, a whole lot about, about, about end times and about, about, about what's going to take place. And so we've been trying to just give a, a, a big picture, a, a, a high level view, kind of knocking down some tall blades of grass. Uh, whenever it comes to this end time conversation, we could literally spend years uh, in, in this study. But the Bible talks about this in the Old Testament. Prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, like these dudes in the Old Testament saw what, what God was going to do in the end times and wrote, wrote 
wrote about it there. Jesus talked about it with his disciples. We spent the first two weeks uh, in part of Jesus' teaching on the end times in Matthew 24. If you missed any of that, you can go back and check those out on our website. All that is available to you on demand. Um, the, the, the apostles talk about it. Paul talks about it. We're going to look at some of his teaching today in 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, but Peter talks about it. John talks about it. And John, uh, he, he like sees this vision of what's going to take place. And he, he documents it. And God tells him, like, write it down in a book. And it's the last book of your Bible. It's called the book of Revelation. And uh, it's probably not a book to read late at night uh, when you're by yourself because it, it can get a little creepy at times. But he talks about one of the things that's going to kick off this tribulation. One thing that's going to kick off like these, these end times is, is these four horses of the apocalypse, they're called. These four horses are released. And we talked in detail about this last week. So you can go back and check that out if you like. But, but here's basically what they, what they are. The first horse is a white horse and it, and it brings disruption and deception. Like this rider, he comes out with a bow, but there's not going to be, there's no arrow. So it's not going to be like a bloodbath, but he's going he's gonna to cause division. He's going to cause deception. He's going get, to get the, the whole world going sideways. Then he's going to come with a solution. And that's why, why it says that, that he was given a crown. Like he's going to be self-selected as like, you're our hero. But he was really the guy causing all the, the trouble. And, and, and certainly we see dis- disruption. We see deception taking place in our, our world today. And and while this white horse isn't fully released, I do believe that kind of the spirit of this horse is, is taking place in our times. The red horse represented fear and violence. And man, we see, see on the news every day, fear and violence is, is on the rise. Uh, the black horse represented economic collapse. And we talked last week how it's going to be like a whole week's worth of wages, a whole day's wage to just like buy a loaf of bread, to buy a little little wheat and a little, little barley. And then the pale horse comes and that, that fourth one is, is disease and death. And uh, we know we're not in the tribulation yet because this horse is gonna wipe out 25% of the population. I mean, two, million, two billion people will be wiped out when this, this horse is released. So we know we're not, this hasn't taken place just just yet. And so if you were to press me on it, you're like, Tim, where do you think we are in all this? I, I don't think we're, we're, we're living in the end times. I, I, don't, I don't think this is the tribulation. I, I do think we're knocking on the door. I think there's a whole lot of things, a whole, whole lot of things that the Bible lists that say, man, th- th- this could have, like, we're on the brink of, uh, of this happening, of these, these end times. That's my personal personal conviction. And so, so how do we run with, with like those horses? Whenever we see these things happening, how do we keep up? Like, how do we keep our head above water when these realities are at, in full, full strength? And I, I think it's a great question. And that's why I love uh, the Bible, because it's not only uh, gives us a picture of what we can anticipate, but it gives us practical handles on how we can respond and actually how we can thrive in the midst of, of, of these challenging times, even whenever these four horses are fully Fully released, and Paul talks about that. I would love for you to read First Thessalonians chapter four and chapter five. It'd take you about about seven minutes. But in chapter four, the Apostle Paul talks about about these end time stuff. He, if you read First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, you're going to read about like trumpets sounding, like in, in Jesus coming back, and like the graves are going to be open, like dead in Christ are going to rise, and like like you, we who are left here on earth, we're going to be, be be caught up with the Lord in the air. The the Latin word for that caught up is is raptura. 
Ephrathah. That's where we get our word rapture. Like it's, it's we're going to be caught up with the Lord in, in the air. And, and my personal belief is that's going to happen before the tribulation. You may think like, no, I think it's going to be mid-tribulation or, or post-tribulation. I, I don't want to split hairs on that one because a lot of smart people, a lot of smarter people than me believe it's, we're, we're going to go up in the first elevator and it's pre-trib. A lot of, a lot of smarter people than me believe the opposite to be true. We're going to, it's going to be later. And, and I don't want to split hairs on that. But what I do hope for you, what I really hope for me is that we're ready. And I think the Apostle Paul wants that too, because he doesn't just camp out in chapter four with all these, these big end time topics, but we move to chapter five and he gets very practical. And that's where I want to camp out. It's almost like a checklist for end times living. So it's a checklist for you to thrive in 2020. It's a checklist for you to thrive in 2021. It's a checklist for, for us to come alive spiritually and to kind of be a mirror and say, how, how am I doing in these areas of my life. And I'm just grateful that the Bible takes things that are really complicated and makes them very practical. And here's something that's super complicated. Last week, I showed you the perplexing X. Uh, this is one of my childhood favorites, actually. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a lot bigger. Uh, this is called a horseshoe puzzle. Um, but I ordered this off Amazon, so you don't really know the size. Uh, this looks like something a Raiders fan would like hold from their ear, like using Raiders fans, right? Like something they would wear. Anyway, but here's what, uh, here's what the, this, this puzzle does. Like it's the, the purpose is to get this ring out of these horseshoes. But like, how do you do that? Like it's, it's complicated. But, but the Bible gives us very practical advice on how to make complicated things super, super easy. And I say that and then watch me not be able to, to do this. Oh, it's like Houdini right there, right? It's not really complicated. You just kind of got to twist these horseshoes pull them through. Uh, I didn't even have to Google this one. I grew up, uh, me and my brother, in the back seat of long uh, car rides to my grandma's house uh, playing with these things. We grew up in Missouri. We stopped at Ozark Land, like check that out. And they had these horseshoe games. We, it was awesome. That's my roots. Don't knock it. So, uh, but, but the Bible offers very practical solutions for complicated things that we face in in life, And that's what Paul provides for us. And that's what I want to talk to you about and what, what Paul would love to share with you today if he were here to share this message on these end times. How do we keep up with these, these horses? He would say, number one, there's nine of them. I gave you four last week. I'm going to give you five this week. Here's the first one. We talked about it last week. We've got to run with covering. Run with covering. The way we know and the way we show we're running with covering is, is we run with honor. And God has put into to, to the fabric of our world some structures that we're to honor. And we talked about that last week. Um, and we just acknowledge like, hey, we're, we're better. We're going to do this because we believe we're better together. We just believe that. Second thing we're going to do is run with ministry. Now, we talked about how, how the, the antidote to needing ministry is to, to do ministry. And I believe that to be true. So we're going to run with covering. We're going to run with ministry. We're going to run with grace. We're not going to give people what they deserve. We're going to give people what they need. We're going to extend some grace. We're not going to repay evil for evil. No, we're going we're to do good. And then we're going to choose joy. We're going to run with joy. And we talked about this, that joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things, in all seasons. We're going to choose. We're going to run with joy. It's a choice. We can choose that. And then this week, here's number five. So this is the checklist. Here's number five. Run with prayer. Run with prayer. And, and Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 
verse 17. And this is a great verse to memorize, uh, perhaps the shortest verse in the Bible right here. And, uh, and here's what it says. This was last week, rejoice always. That's a good verse to memorize. Uh, here it is, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is, this is God's will for your life. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do. I, what, what does God want from me? Like, what should, here it is. It lays it out in the Bible. You want complicated things, made simple. Here's the will of God for you. Be joyful, rejoice. Find something good and fix your mind on that. Rejoice, always. Pray nonstop, continually. And here it is, give thanks. Be a thankful person in all circumstances. No matter what 2020 throws at, no matter what the school year throws at, no matter how difficult in all situations, man, we're gonna choose to be a thankful people because that's the will of God for us. We're gonna pray, pray continually. Now prayer, Prayer isn't me getting God to move towards me. The root of prayer is me moving towards God. Some people are like, why do I pray? Like God knows everything. Well, well, prayer is not, not God moving towards you. It's actually you moving towards, towards God. Whenever I come to God, I pray. I'm like, God, here's what's going on. Here's, what, here's a situation. I cast all my cares on him. And, he's, and I just ask God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do I get on the same page with you on what's going on in my life? Prayer at its best is it's a continual conversation with God where we get on the same page. We move towards him. Hebrews 4.16 says this. I love this passage. It says, so, so let us come boldly to the throne of, of God, of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I don't know about you, but I, I need a little grace. I, I, need his, I need his mercy. And I'm so thankful for this invitation to, to pray, to come, come boldly to the throne of grace because God's a big God. He does big things. Like if Michael Jordan hit me up this week and said, Tim, you got time for lunch, I would clear my calendar. Like, like if, if Warren Buffett hit me up, hey, hey, you got time, whoever your hero is, you got time for lunch? Listen, the God who created those individuals come boldly to his throne of our gracious God. He'll help you. He'll give you advice you never thought about. Let's get on the same page with him. Let's pray. Let's be people who pray. We pray continually. And, and some people, you know, it says, says we can find grace when we need it most. And I think for, for, for some of us, my concern as your pastor, one of my concerns is that you would be a person that, that only prays when you're in trouble. And if, if we're people that only pray when we're in trouble, then listen, we're in trouble because we need, a, we need an ongoing, continual, pray continually and, and have the ongoing conversation with God. So when trouble comes, man, we're already, we're already on the same, same page. Some people are like, well, I don't, I don't know how to pray, Tim. Can you help me with that? And I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Because uh, really, if you know how to talk, like you know how to pray. If you know how to talk to your buddies and just talk about life, then you know how to pray to God. But some people like a little more, more structure to that. And so here's, here's a simple tool that you can use uh, in your prayer time. And I, I challenge you to do that this week. Here it is. And just think of the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. And so there's an acronym. And here's, here's what you do. First thing you do when you come to God's presence is, is just express adoration. Adoration just means, God, you're awesome. Like you just declare to God who he is. Like, God, you're the God who made the heavens and the earth. Like, God, you're the God who hung the stars in place. God, you're a big God. And not only do you have big things, but, but every human being that's ever walked on the face of this earth, you knit them together in their mother's womb. You're a God of detail. You're a God of delight. You, you, you created beauty. God, you're awesome. 
And you just start with adoration. And then you move to confession and just get honest with God about what's going on in your life. Maybe your hurts, your habits, your hangups. Just, just talk to him about what's going on. And then, then move to thanksgiving. Let me just ask you, church, like, has God been good to you? Like, has he shown up when, when he didn't need to? Has he withheld from you so, some, some things that you probably deserved and maybe poured into your life some things that you, you didn't deserve? He's given you grace. He's given you mercy. He's given us freedom. For those of you who live in the Bay Area, like, wow, we live in one of the most pretty spots in the world. Like, this place is awesome. Let's, God, we're so thankful. List out everything you're thankful for and talk to God about that. And then, then move to supplication. You're like, bro, that's a $5 word. What's supplication mean? It simply means just, just talking to God, telling him what you need, tell him what, what the needs of other people in your life and your circle of influence are. You, you do that, man, time will go by so fast. You'd be like, I need more time to pray. We're, we're gonna start with acts, <laughs> adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. First Thessalonians 5.17, again, just a reminder, never stop praying. If we're gonna keep up with the horses, we're gonna run in challenging seas, we're gonna thrive in life when things are good, when things are, never stop praying. Be a, be a person of prayer. And I would challenge you with this, you know, uh, Jesus modeled this for us. Not only do we pray continually, but he had a specific time. Like we see this modeled throughout his entire life. In, in Mark 135, we read this. Very early, very early, first thing, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went out to a, a solitary place. He got alone where he could, he could pray. He prayed to God. He got up and made, it, made this number one priority in his life. And I would just encourage you, make this number one priority in your day. Just set aside some time. Talk to God. Do, go through the acts if, you, if that, that helps you. But, but just be a person of prayer. And, and listen, there's this theme threaded throughout the entire Bible. When you put God first, watch how gets, he gets involved in, in the rest of it. You put God first in your day, watch how it impacts the remainder of your day. You put God first in, in your finances, watch how he impacts your finances. You put God first in your relationships and do relationships God's way. Watch how he blesses those relationships. I'm just saying, just put him first. Put him first in every area of your life and watch how he shows up. And, and I would just encourage you with this too. This week, choose a time, choose a place, be consistent. Let's be people of prayer. That's how we do it. And here's the, here's the action, or here's maybe a, a declaration for all of us to make and to, to really understand that, that here it is. I understand that prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. It's prayer. Prayer is the difference from the best I can do and the best God can do. And here's what I know to be true of you. Some of you are so smart. Some of you are so brilliant. Like you can, you can pull off a whole lot of things on your own. And that's awesome. I respect that. But prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. And so what if you invited God to help you in that teach this week? What if you invited God in the middle of your coding project? What if you invited God into that sales call? What if you invited God to whatever you're doing this week, just invite him in because prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best that God can do. And man, we wanna... Bring our best, but we want God to bring his best and show it big in our lives. And we know that he desires that as well. So let's be people of prayer. Sixth thing that Paul mentions, if we're gonna keep up with these horses, we gotta run with, with thankfulness. We just read this verse, but, but here it is in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ 
Jesus. Be thankful. And you know what? There's so much data on, on how it benefits you, how, how it helps us, how it lifts our spirit, just to make a list of what are you thankful for? Maybe it's a good conversation to have today at lunch. Just go around, what are five things you're thankful for today? And just talk about it. As you go throughout your day, express to other people, hey, I'm thankful for this. Man, I'm thankful for you. Thanks for what you do. Just be thankful, people. Here's the action. When we live a thankful life, here's what we, we, we begin to gravitate to. We, we live from this understanding that what I have is more than enough. When we live from a posture of, of gratitude, of thankfulness, we realize, man, what I have is more than enough. And, and I, don't, I don't need to know all your situation to be able to say with confidence, to look into this camera and just tell you, hey, what you have is more than enough. Because here's what the psalmist said. In Psalm 23.1, here's what it says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Listen, is the Lord your shepherd? If so, then the next statement's true. You got all that you need. The Lord like the creator of the universe, like the guy who, 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 who hung the stars in play, like that, that God, he, he says, I want to be involved in the details of your life. I want, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to help you. I want to shepherd you. The Lord is, is my shepherd. Whenever Jewish scribes would come to this word, this, this word in, in Hebrew is, is Yahweh. Uh, they, they would take a bath. It's a, it's a religious ceremony that's called a, a makalva. And, and a Jewish scribe would, would stop at this word, Yahweh, like this word, it represents the one who's so big, he's so holy, he's so awesome, he's so powerful, like I'm not even worthy to write his name, so I gotta set down my pen and I'm gonna go take a bath and then I'm gonna come back and then I can pin that name. But before I pin any other word, I gotta sit the pen down and go take another Makelva, this religious ba bathing ceremony because they revered the name of the Lord so much because they realized whenever someone Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. They knew who they were talking about. They revered the Lord. And I'm just saying, Psalm 20, if God is for me, who can be against me? If the Lord is my shepherd, well, then I got all I need. He's your shepherd. Let's be, let's run with gratitude. Let's run with thankfulness. Seventh, run with discernment. Seventh thing Paul, Paul tells it, run with, run with discernment. Discernment is, is not just taking things at face value. Discernment is necessary for understanding of spiritual realities in our everyday life on a very practical level. Listen, as you go throughout your life, there are spiritual realities at play. Things you see on the surface may not be what's really going on behind the scenes. All that's taking place in 2020 Listen, there's, there's spiritual realities at play. And Paul's just saying, hey, as you run through these times, let's run with discernment. Let, let, let's, let's, let's view these spiritual realities in, in practical, on a practical level. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 20. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. Uh, do you know what the Holy Spirit is? Like the Holy Spirit is like the very presence and nature of God that if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible makes this audacious claim that, that, that God's presence takes up residence in us. Like God's Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he leads us, he guides us. It's that, that gentle nudge, like, no, 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 no. Don't go over there. We need, to, we need to go over here. 
It's that, that gentle nudge like, hey, I, I need you to pray for them. I, I need you to, I think they're struggling financially and I, I've been so good to you. I wanna, you need to help them. It's that gentle nudge, helping us, leading us, guiding us, counseling us, giving that little check like, ah, I don't know, I just don't feel right about it. And the more that we lean into that nudge, the more we, we make way for the Holy Spirit to have control of our lives, the, the more that, that, that he, he leads us, the more he guides us, the more we discern what he's up to in our, in our lives. We won't just take things at face value because the Holy Spirit will be leading on him to, to help us, to guide us. And, and so Paul says, don't stifle that. Like, don't, don't quench that. That word stifle is not a super common word, but I loved what one of the commentators I read this week said. He said, it says stifle simply means to, to cease fervent, to cause fervent activity to cease. And isn't it nice to know that the Holy Spirit decides to, desires to work in your life fervently, not just a little bit, but all in. What wants to lead, guide, help you throughout your daily life. Don't stifle those nudges. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't quench what he's he desires to do. And then he goes on to say, and don't, don't scoff at prophecies. And you're like, well, what, what does that mean? Well, we've been talking about prophecies actually throughout this entire series. And, and prophecies is simply uh, someone who shares God's perspective that, that may not be seen in the natural. And so, so the illustration I shared in week one is kind of like we're on this airplane, right? We're on the, the tarmac, we're taking off and like only thing we see is like turbulence and barf bags and seat belts. And, and that's kind of where we live. But prophecies help us to push through those clouds and get a, get a different perspective, get a heavenly view of what's taking place. And, 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 and so we shared a whole lot of, of prophecies. The Bible talks about that, kind of shows you like, hey, here's what's gonna happen. Don't be surprised. Hey, hey, here's what's gonna take place. I just want you to know, whenever you see these things happening in the natural, know there's more at play behind the scenes. That's why Paul says, hey, we gotta, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. Let's be people who run with discernment and weigh those things out. And here's the action. Here's the confession. I will go through life looking up, not looking around. I, whenever I encounter situations that I don't understand in life, I'm going to say, God, I don't, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is perplexing to me. God, give me discernment to know how to navigate challenging times. I'm not going to just look at what's happening around me. I'm going to look up. God, give me wisdom. Help me. And that's the eighth thing that I want to talk to you about, the eighth thing that, that Paul actually gives us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and that is run with wisdom. Let's be people who run with, with wisdom. Knowledge simply means like, I know some stuff. Wisdom's the ability to, to actually apply, apply some stuff that we know. And uh, it's wisdom, you know, like, hey, like how many of you know, like, hey, if you want to be physically fit, like exercise is, is good. Like that's, that's good. Staying under a certain calorie count each day, that's that's good. Well, when it comes to my physical exercise, like I have some knowledge, but I'm not always walking in wisdom because <laughs> wisdom would set aside some workout clothes before I go to bed the night before and put some shoes there. So when I wake up in the morning, I can go, I can go work out. It would, it would help me say no to that nacho supreme. You know, I, that's walking in wisdom. But I have knowledge, but not always wisdom. And I think sometimes we can fall into the same camp. So we need to walk in, in wisdom. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 21 through 20. Two, here's what it says, test everything that's said. Like we're just not gonna respond out of emotion. We're just not gonna see it at face value. We're just not gonna, hey, hey you posted this. Well, I'm gonna, I'm I'm, let me post this. I'm gonna test, I'm gonna take a step back. No, God, I, I need to hear from you on this. Can you give me some wisdom on how to, how to navigate this? And it says, hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. 
the way you know you're walking in wisdom is I, just, I don't just know right from wrong. I'm avoiding the things that are wrong. I'm, I'm taking action. I'm walking, I'm walking wisdom. Proverbs uh, 9, 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is, is understanding. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean that like you're terrified of God or that you like can't talk to him because you're paralyzed in fear. Fear simply means, fear of the Lord means I, I have a glimpse of who God is. Like I have, I have an underst- a little bit of an understanding of just how, how awesome he is. I have a little understanding of, of just how, how, how powerful he is. I have a little understanding of just how infinitely wise he is. And, and I understand my limitations. And so I recognize he's God, I'm not. And I'm a walk in wisdom, the fear of the Lord. To give you a little glimpse of, of just who God is, to give us a glimpse, the Bible uh, gives us several, um, points to this several times to help us understand just who, who God is. And in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 40, I encourage you to read it on your own, but here's just a snapshot of who God is uh, to help us walk in this, this fear of the Lord, walk in, in wisdom. Uh, chapter 40, verse 12 says this, uh, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Like God's so big, like the oceans that we stand and are in awe of, like he just holds them in his hand. Who, who has measured off the heavens with his, his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains on the hills on, on a scale? Who, who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Like who, is, who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Although sometimes I try to. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instructions about what is good? Does someone, someone teach him what's right or show him the path of justice? No, all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing. They are dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth like a grain of sand. Check this out, church. God's so big. He's so powerful. Next time you're at the beach, pick up a grain of sand. And like this whole world that we know, it's like a, it's just like a grain of sand. He's big. Has, have you never heard? Have, have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. And while all this it highlights how, how powerful he is, that he's in a league unto his own, like there's no one to really even compare him to. And yet this all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God, he, he desires to help you, to strengthen you in your daily life. So it goes on to say in verse 29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will grow tired and weary and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, you can find some new strength, some fresh strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow where they will walk and will not faint. I'm just saying, God's a big God. When you get a glimpse of who he is, then, then it allows me to walk in wisdom, not just to know what I should be doing, but to actually execute on it because I recognize his rightful place and I recognize who I am. So I might not always understand it. I might, it might not always feel good to me. It might not always be what I, my first choice of action would be, but I just recognize, God, you're big. Your ways are so higher than mine. I don't, I'm just gonna let you call the shot because you're the CEO of the universe. You're the CEO of my life. I'm a walk in wisdom. Here's, the, here's what Billy Graham said. Uh, knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is, is vertical. It comes down from above. Like, like God gives us, gives us wisdom. And here's the action. I will walk in wisdom by applying the knowledge God has given me. Like God's given you knowledge 
Let's just, let's just go live it out. And to get a bit painfully practical here for just a minute, I would encourage you to do this. I mentioned prayer earlier. I think one of the best ways to walk in, in wisdom, walk in the fear of the Lord, is worship. Just, just to get alone with God by yourself. You can just go after God. No one around, like if they are around, wear a mask. But, but 15 minutes, I challenge you for 15 minutes every day. Some of you, maybe this has been a habit in the past and you've kind of drifted away from it. Some of you, maybe you've never done this, but 15 minutes, just ask for the first 15 minutes of your day. Here's what I would ask you to do. Three things, five minutes each. First, just get in the word of God. Re- gain some knowledge. Just, just, just get in the word of God. Read the Bible. Um, you, great start. If you don't know where to start, just start in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one. Read, read a proverb a day. That's a great place to start. Um, and then five minutes in prayer. Just go through that acts list, that adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Just, just go through that. Five minutes will fly by. And then, then worship God. If you're like, well, I don't really have any worship songs, you, you just go to our YouTube page and click on one of the worship songs that, that, that Pastor Juan's been doing lately. It's, it's awesome. Check those out. Uh, but let's worship God. Five minutes in the word, five minutes in prayer, five minutes in worship. Here's the final thing. Number nine, Paul would encourage us to do this. Run with vision. Run with, with vision. Re- remember the, the second item that, that Paul gave us was, you remember what that was? Run with ministry. Run with ministry. And we talked about how the best way, the antidote to needing ministry is to, to actually do ministry. And vision can kind of seem similar to that because he calls us to take action. Uh, but, but vision's different. Ministry is important because it's about you helping others. But hanging on to vision is, is, is how you help yourself to realize your, your God-given call. And I love that, that Paul closes out this checklist for, for end times, this checklist for, for how we thrive throughout life with, with this vision statement to know the difference between doing ministry and the vision God has for your life because God has big plans for your life. You've been set apart here on this earth. You've been put here on earth. Vision says, I've been put here on this earth to make a difference. Vision says, God, you, you placed me in 2020. You chose me, God. Out of every human being that could ever walk on the face of this earth, you chose me for this time, for this place. You chose me to live in San God, you chose me to be here. You chose them to be my neighbor. You chose them to be my, my coworker. God, you, you created me for kingdom impact. Matter of fact, I'm here on a heavenly assignment. I recognize my time on earth is short, but God, with this limited window of opportunity I have, I'm gonna live on mission because God, you, you chose me. I'm your kid. I'm a kingdom subject. I'm gonna be about kingdom business. Out of everyone that you could ever choose to represent you on earth, you said, yeah, that's my ambassador. They're representing my kingdom. He chose you. Michael, he chose you. Ken, he chose you. Amir, he chose you. He chose you. He chose you for purpose. Paul closes with this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Now, holy doesn't mean that you're just always going to be perfect all the time. Holy simply means you're set apart. You're different, like you're chosen you're God's kid. You're, you're, you're set apart. And because we're set apart, like because, he cho- because we recognize who we are, we get the joy of trying to align our life to Jesus' life, to do what Jesus did, to conduct our behavior, to take action on what Jesus would want us to. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and 
and body be kept blameless until the day our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Listen, he's coming. Run with vision. Don't lose sight of heavenly perspective. Don't lose sight of your heavenly assignment. There's gonna come a day when, when, when I'm gonna stand before Jesus and I'm gonna give an account for what I've done. And, I, and he's gonna ask me, hey, what'd you, did you know my son? And what'd you do with him? And my hope for you, one of my, my, my deepest hopes for you is that, that you would live your life today in such a way that you look forward to that day. You wouldn't dread that. You'd say, you know what, I ran my race well. I recognized throughout my time on earth, I knew I was called. I knew I was chosen. I, did, I left it all in the field. I, I, I'm here. Matter of fact, here's everybody I brought with me. That's my hope for you. Because you, you caught the vision that God has for, for your life. Then it closes with this, and, and God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Listen, one of the things that brings fresh energy, fresh, fresh passion, fresh perspective to my soul is to realize, remember, I've been called. Like I, re I remember the moment like it was yesterday where I told Jesus, like, my life is yours. Whatever you want from me, you can have it. And there's been points in this year of 2020 when I had to go back to that moment where I said, there's a whole lot of other things I'd rather be doing because like, I chose you. Remember, you surrender. You told me my life is yours. And so I, I'm gonna follow that accordingly. And just remember who I am, my position in Christ, who, who he's called me to be and what he's asking you to do and me to do. We help people find and follow. It helps me live with perspective. It puts fresh wind in my sails in the midst of, of challenging times. And you know, this week with the debates and things going on. There's a lot of talk about the economy and how we're gonna recover and all this stuff. And I get it, like all that's super important. It's really important. But I would just submit this, like I don't just need something to live on. I don't just need money to live on. I need something to live for. And God gives you something priceless, eternal, that won't rust. You can't steal it, it won't fade away. No economic collapse could ever take it from you. It's, 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 it's eternal reward. It'll still be rewarded a thousand years from now. It'll last the test of time. Let's live with purpose. You don't just need something to live on, you need something to live for. And Jesus offers you that today. Let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you that you're the God of peace and today, you remind me and everyone that, that, that hears this, would you remind us that we're called? That God, you, you chose us. You created us on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. And right now in 2020, God, it's our opportunity to live out that purpose. Today, tomorrow, Monday morning, when we, we go to work, would you help us to live out our purpose? Would you help us to remember that you placed us here to represent you? You chose us, you've given us a heavenly assignment. God, help us to run with that vision. And Father, I thank you for making complicated things practical. So God, would you help me, would you help Central Family to run with, with covering, to run with ministry, to run with grace, with joy, be people of prayer, to be thankful in all circumstances, to run with discernment, God, to have wisdom, to live out what you've already given us, to, what you've already taught us. And God, would you help us to, to hang on to the vision you have for our lives, God. And as you continue in just kind of a posture of prayer, I also recognize that some of you here, maybe you're, you're not yet a, a follower of Jesus. Maybe you haven't made him the CEO of your life yet. And, uh, and here's what, if you wanna engage with a, a relationship with the creator of the universe, 
The Bible says that's available to you. It's available to, to anyone that would ask. He's no respecter of persons. But, but here, here's how you do that. The Bible says that if you, you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. You will be saved. And so if that's where you are today, you want to you wanna know Jesus, you want to ha- have hope for today and, and a great promise to hang on to for tomorrow, I'd invite you just to, to say a simple prayer with me to begin that relationship with God. It, it's simple, but it will cost you everything. And so if that's you, just simply tell God this. Say, say God, I recognize I've, I've blown it at times in my life, and I realize I've sinned against you. But God, I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin by dying on a cross. It didn't just end on the cross because Jesus, you rose again. And I believe that. Now, Jesus, because you're alive, I'm asking to come take up life in me. Give me new life. Give me a fresh start. I pray, God, you give me a, a new beginning. Now, God, I'm going to let you call the shots. You, you say this to him. Say, say, God, today I surrender my life to you. Whatever you want from me, I'm going to do it. Where, whatever call you place in my life, I'm, I'm eager. I'm willing. Today, God, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if that was your prayer, if that was uh, your commitment to God to, to begin that relationship with Jesus, you're embarking on the most daring adventure you could ever go on and the most fulfilling adventure you can ever experience in life. And, and so it's, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, so the Bible says all of heaven celebrates whenever just one person uh, makes that commitment to God. And so uh, we know heaven's celebrating. We don't want heaven to have all the fun. So maybe whoop it up in the chat, throw some clap emojis in there. Uh, we're celebrating with you as a central family. Uh, but, but seriously, we would love to connect with you and uh, help get some resources into your hands that we think can serve as a, a catalyst on the spiritual journey. So uh, we'd love to, to hear from you. You can text us at 408-944-5402. That's 408-944-5402. Or as always, you can email us at info at centralsj.org. We're fired up to have you a part of the Central family. Hey, in closing, I want to just close with this blessing that, that the Apostle Paul uses at the end of that book, 1 Thessalonians. And here it is. May the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, till he comes again. And may God, God will make this happen for you. You can hang on to that promise because he who calls you is faithful.